Movies and Booze on Moncrief. Brought to you by Lidl's award-winning wine range. Lidl. More for you. Enjoy alcohol sensibly. Visit drinkaware.ie. I'm delighted to say Fanula Jones, uh, Jean Smollin and Esther McCarthy join us once again. Good afternoon to you all. Hello. Hi guys. Hi Sean. Uh, So it's Batman time. It's Batman time. Yeah, this is great. I was really pleasantly surprised with this because I wasn't really, it it wasn't really of much interest to me to be honest with you Sean this one, but I think what Matt Reeves has done, um, he seems to have a knack of of doing this, this director Matt Reeves, like he he did it with Cloverfield and he did it um, with the Planet of the Apes movies. Like he seems to be able to take this kind of fantastical material and ground it in a real sense of reality or at least as much of a sense of reality as you can have with a character dressed as a bat in it. Yes. Um, but I really, really liked this. It's very film noir-y. Um, it's properly scary and gory in places. I would say if you're thinking of bringing the kiddies um, at the weekend, pay close attention to the 15A search, which it, which it absolutely has earned. Um, and I just loved it. I think they've brought Gotham spectacularly to life. I think it's earned its uh, definitive article uh, because I think it is very definitive. And, you you know, you're not even coming out comparing it to Nolan's films, for example. You really are coming out feeling that this is its own animal. Um, a proper kind of procedural. So it goes back to the original comics in that Batman's trying to investigate and fight crime. And sure, he was sitting there all the time, like um, the Riddler. You know, it's made to be set up as a as a Gotham style Zodiac uh, David Fincher movie. You know, so it's it's all of that. I had a great time with this. Okay, doesn't quite I... justify its uh, running time, which is four minutes shy of three hours. Uh, it's always like that. Why do they do that? I don't know. My backside was numb by the end of it. Uh, what's uh, and Colin Farrell? Who's Colin Farrell in this? Is he, what is he, the, the, what is he? He's the Penguin. He's yeah. the Penguin, right, yeah. okay. Or, or yeah. Oz, as he's known first. Um, he's having a blast here. Himself and John Totoro are kind of these two very well-connected, powerful Gotham kind of mobsters. And they 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 go full good, good fellas with each other. You know, they're great fun in it. And they do provide a lot of the kind of moments of levity in the film as well, because this is quite... I hate to say the word dark because it's used to describe every bloody superhero movie now. But this is very, you know, it's quite gritty. There's some kind of hard stuff going on in it, I would say. So they provide a few moments of levity. Uh, Because Fanula was just saying before we came on air that Barry Keoghan is going to be the baddie in the next one. So is there some kind of policy for Irish baddies now in Batman (laughs) movies? It's uh, a strange. And you know who pops up in it as well as a corrupt cop? Peter MacDonald. Do you remember Peter MacDonald from when um, Brendan met Trudy years ago? Right. The Irish actor. Yeah. Yeah, so. Okay. They just can't get enough of us at the moment. Uh, uh, Right, so also, uh, uh, given we're talking about Irish actors, uh, uh, the other film is an Irish horror movie. Yeah, this is very good as well. Uh, You Are Not My Mother. It's uh, a new emerging filmmaker by the name of Kat Dolan. Uh, She's kind of very steeped in the world of horror. So I think the riches in this one are, if you are a big fan of the genre, I think you're going to get a lot more of the references and the folklore 
uh, Irish folklore that's within the storytelling here more than I did to be quite honest with you I think the more you're into this genre the more return you're going to get from it but it works effectively as um, as a horror thriller it's a young Irish actress by the name Hazel Dupe I've been she's been on my radar for a while she was really good in um, Caramel Winter's film uh, from a few years ago playing a, a little traveller girl who wanted to be a boxer um, and she was really outstanding in that action. Here she is playing a lead again. People will know her from Smother as well. She was in the, the, the recent RT series. Uh, and she's great as this girl who has a mother who is it's quite apparent. Um, the mother is struggling mental illness from pretty much the start of the film. And the mother disappears, returns without any explanation the following day and is not behaving like she has been known to be before that. So it's kind of like, right. ooh, what's going on here? Okay, all right, okay. Uh, that's all coming up later on. Uh, Jean Smullen's just back from a week on the rip in Germany, from which she was telling us. Uh, <laughs> oh, so work, is, work. Oh, is, it, uh, is it German wines we're drinking today? No, though? actually, it's Italian uh, wines. Now, yeah, you'll throw up if you have another German wine. <laughs> <laughs> I should drink lots of German beer, to be honest. Oh, with right, okay. Um, yes, we're featuring Italy, Anatria, the land of the vine. And they used to call it Ireland, Hibernia, the land of the cloud. But anyway, um, O'Brien's are having an Italian wine sale. It starts next Monday, the 7th, and it's running to the 20th. And we're featuring two of the wines, uh, a Lugana from the Veneto region and Chianti. I love Chianti. I love the okay. Chianti for, for, for right. us. Uh, two, two solid wines. The hashtag, uh, just to remind you, is Tweakment Movies. Lasering saddlebags, two boobs for Sister Sarah and the Lord of the Bleached Rings. Mm, that's a movie you'd really want to see. Uh, so the, are we reaching a point where, where we're living in, in the time of maximum Pamela Anderson, Fanula? Potentially, given, yeah. but you know what? I kind of think this is warranted based on uh, the reaction to Pam and Tommy. So just for anyone who's unfamiliar, there was a Hulu series released quite recently it was called Pam and Tommy and it followed the it's on Disney I think you can I think yeah, yeah it's from Hulu but you can stream it on Disney it's always weird to say you so, can watch a, 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 a drama series about a porn tape on Disney very, and like dope sick and everything yeah. about the opiates anyway yeah. alongside Mickey Mouse whatever I don't question it but yeah it kind of it was a narrative series and it documented the fallout from her sex tape with Motley Crue rocker Tommy Lee they kind of always position it as like, look, this is going to be very sympathetic towards Pamela and not like salacious, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But she had kind of said or like sources close to her said she wasn't happy with it. She wasn't directly involved with it. Tommy Lee wasn't directly involved with it. It's basically, basically unauthorised. And uh, Courtney Love had come out with a statement uh, as a friend of Pamela basically saying that it was kind of re-traumatising her, the series and whatever. Um, so Netflix have gotten this big scoop essentially signing on to do this documentary with Pamela in which she kind of tells her own life story in her own words. Her son, Brandon Lee, is on to produce. Um, and she said in a statement, it's basically my life, a thousand imperfections, a million uh, misperceptions, wicked, wild and lost, nothing to live up to. I can only surprise you. Not a victim, but a survivor and alive to tell the real story. Um, it's currently untitled. We don't have a date or anything yet, but we have Ryan White's directing. He worked on a Netflix docuseries previously called The Keepers. Um, I'd be, I'm, in, I'm interested in this. I am interested, but mm. I do. I take your point. There's a lot of there's a lot of talk of this in society and pop culture at the minute. But then I question maybe should Pam and Tommy have even been made? And I know I talked about this previously in my own slot about their makeup. It was incredible, but the more I learned about her kind of wanting to separate herself from this project, I never ended up watching it because I just didn't feel particularly comfortable with it, knowing how uncomfortable she was with it. Yeah, no, I take that point. I think I, I haven't watched it either, though. I still think it was kind of an interesting idea, given that it was the birth of 
the internet Definitely, and all that yeah. and, and, yeah. and everything it led to. Though this, I don't know. Maybe I'm basing it just on the blur, but this just sounds like something she has total control over. Therefore, it's a, a, a depiction of... Pamela Anderson by Pamela Anderson. Yeah, exactly. And I do think, obviously... No, I, I've someone... been talking about how great I am. Why don't you tell me how great I am? <laughs> yeah, and you do question having that level of involvement. Are you going to get like a fully rounded story? Probably not. And to take your point about Pam and Tommy, that was about a very specific incident. And I don't think they'd claim to say that they were trying to, you know... Talk they didn't about do Pamela it deliberately. After, yeah. after. No, yeah. and I don't, I don't really think there was any malice in it, but I think maybe someone in the room should have been like, is this a good idea considering she has basically been like, I do not want anything to do with this, given the subject matter. But yeah, it's interesting. Well, I wonder will it deal with, because you know, she's gone like political and didn't she, wasn't she uh, um, uh, a fan of Julian Assange? Julian Assange. Kind of, yeah, I mean, I, I'd say so. I, I don't see how they couldn't talk about her activism work and that side of things. But again, when you have someone who's that involved um, and kind of, I suppose, maybe has a bit of an agenda off the back of Pam and Tommy, You'd wonder then, I don't know, because obviously public perception was a bit skewed with that. There was a bit of a mm. weird time for her. I don't know. We'll see. Is it is it just one or is it a series? Have um, they said? I think it's I think it's a series. I oh, think really? yeah. is there that much to tell? I won't yeah, you'd imagine if it's like a three parter, I don't know how much further you could go beyond that then. But yeah, I don't know. Knowing yeah. Netflix, it'll be if, if they They'll could go on for a week, you know. Death. Yeah, exactly. Of course they will. And uh, of course, the, the world is terrified uh, with, uh, of course, what's happening in Ukraine. But <laughs> in your face, Putin! <laughs> Hollywood's on the case. So, uh, what devastating blows, uh, sanctions have Hollywood inflicted upon uh, the Russian Federation? Um, well, they're not going to get to see the Batman, unfortunately. <gasps> um, see? Devastating. Uh, Turning Red as well was another big Disney Pixar release. I think we talked about it previously. It's the cartoon where she gets stressed and she turns into a big red panda. Morbius is another one. Um, they basically just said, look, obviously, they've all given separate statements. There's different studios, Warner Brothers, Disney and Sony, but they basically said in light of the humanitarian crisis, clearly we're not going to release this movie. Um, Netflix have also kind of gone another step. Uh, there was a law passed March 1st that basically meant they had to carry state-owned channels on the platform in Russia. Um, but they've basically said, given the current situation as well, we're, we've no plans to add these channels to our service. So Yeah, okay. I suppose, wonder does it make any difference? Well, maybe it will make a difference, really. But I, suppose I think it, with the, eventually people will just get fed up because they're not allowed to do anything or see anything with or the, go yeah, to anything. With the movies, I do get buy the, anything. Yeah, I do get the financial pressure. But yeah, I do, another part of it is like, is this a, a, just a drop in the ocean, really? Like, should we not... Should they not be putting their hands in their own pockets, you know, and maybe... Yeah, good. Maybe way. if they spent a few bob, yeah, that, yeah. Might, that might be a help too. Anyway, uh, what uh, wine should we have first? Okay, we're going to start with the white wine, which is the 2020 Gereri Rizzardi Lugana. Nineteen ninety-five is the normal price, uh, but the sale price will be twelve ninety five. Now, I was actually very lucky. I, it, one of the last trips I went on uh, before Germany, I was in Lake Garda uh, at the Rizzardi estate um, in September twenty. 19 and this is this is one of the top producers in this part of the world. You're, you're kind of the Veneto is the region. Um, you know, the famous wines from this area are Suave, Bardolino, Valpolicelle. And um, the, 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 you know, the Rosardi family, they go back to it. They started producing wine in 1649. And the two boys who run it, uh, the, the Rosardi brothers, Giuseppe and Agostino, they're both counts, but they don't use the title. Like, they're really nice okay. two guys. More your casual counts. <laughs> yeah, they're really, more yeah. casual yeah. types, you know. And actually, Can I mention I'm a count, but just don't call me. Just call <laughs> uh, me your lordship. Really, really nice guys and very down to earth and, you know, absolutely passionate about the wine business. Um 
So anyway, this is one of the wines that they actually produce. And it's this is a very appealing white wine. Um, it's made from the Trebbiano grape. Tre- Trebbiano is also known as Uni Blanc in, in France. And it's one. It's the workhorse grape of white wine um, for white wine in, in Italy. Um, but the thing about this, it's 25-year-old vines um, from select vineyards in Peschera de Gar- del Garda, um, which is close to the lake. Uh, the soil is clay, clay and sediment. This is... A, classic Italian white uh, wine style but having just tasted again now the last time I tasted this was actually um, over there uh, a couple of years ago it's it's really full bodied it's got gorgeous mouthfeel to it and for Uni Blanc or Trebbiano I'd expect a huge amount of acidity but there, it isn't coming through it's very rounded and developed and there's gorgeous tropical fruit coming through um, at a sale price of twelve ninety five, just go out and literally grab this as soon as you can because it's a great value premium wine from the Veneta region. The Guerreri Rizzardi Lugana 2020 is the vintage sale price from next Monday until the 20th of March, twelve ninety five in O'Brien's. Uh, twelve ninety five is probably the, pre, uh, the cheapest possible price you can get a bottle of wine now. I know, you can, uh, no, the cheapest price, the minimum pricing brings you down to about seven nine nine. Oh, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's not, it's not that cheap. No, 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 no. It, it took the sort of... No, I mean, if you're going to buy a bottle of wine for yeah, seven ninety nine, yeah, yeah. maybe you should take out health insurance first. No, what it took out was the five ninety niners. No, yeah. You really don't want to go there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, but I, they I, don't I, exist anymore, so. Yeah. Happy I days. So. Yeah. Right, uh, so Esther, shall we? Uh, uh, there's probably a lot of uh, twisty plot points uh, to talk about in Batman. Shall we do that first? Oh, absolutely. It's Batman. Yeah. Okay, coming up next, I'm Batman. Movies and booze on Moncrief. Brought to you by Lidl's award winning wine range. Lidl, more for you. Enjoy alcohol sensibly. Visit drinkaware.ie. Fear is a tool. When that light hits the sky, it's not just a call. It's a warning. I've been trying to reach you. Find the gun! This is about a king, and brothers to match. I can take care of myself. If this continues, it won't be long before you've nothing left. I don't care what happens to me. There you go. That's uh, the new caring, sharing, metrosexual Batman there. Uh, That that trailer just sounds like the trailer for any other Batman movie, Esther. No, this is uh, probably the best comic book adaptation I've seen in several years. Um... Mainly, Sean, because it doesn't feel like a comic book um, adaptation at all, really. It feels like you're watching a, like a really great uh, classic crime procedural like Zodiac or Seven. Um, I know they've both been referenced. I felt so clever coming out of the screening, um, thinking of those films and then seeing nearly every other film critic in the world has referenced them. But they feel it feels really grounded in this kind of sense of urgency. Um, and I, I think he is able to take that fantastical stuff and, and prove why it's so enduring in the first place by stripping it right back to the comic book um 
storytelling and giving you this absolute sense of investment in the characters. Um, and I would thank him as well. And it doesn't feel right on or, or trying to be woke or anything, but he's given us a proper Catwoman in Zoe Kravitz because, yes, she looks like Catwoman. She is stunning. Um, the sexual chemistry between her and Robert Pattinson is really great. Um, they are a hot couple. Uh, but she's a fully formed, fully fleshed character. And when she goes in, as she does, with these very nifty um, eye uh glass things that can uh broadcast to a, a, a center uh while they're investigating all these mobsters uh but she goes right into that den as um kind of a showgirl and you feel the absolute risk she's going to be at you know she's a really properly well drawn, uh, drawn character and everyone is in this and i i loved it for that um there's no convolution in it either which i think we've come to accept as the norm in comic book adaptations now that they're going to take 40 minutes in the end to level a few cities and mm. by halfway through you won't really know what's happening because the CGI is so cluttered. Um, so that's all stripped back as well. This is beautiful looking like it's 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 kind of reminded me I suppose that you can have a huge big budget mainstream form of entertainment but like enhance it with really good film, filmmakers and really good filmmaking. Who would have thought of it, you know? Um, but we kind that's kind of been taken away from us in recent times, I think. That even the cinematography in this is beautiful. It's uh, by a guy called Greg Fraser, who uh, brought us Dune as well. And and uh, the score, I came out going, who wrote that score? It's a, a guy by the name of Michael Giancino. Uh, a menacing driving score that really um, immerses you in that kind of visceral storytelling that they've got going on here i i really liked it and i think they've taken a simple idea as well and gone, yeah you know what the guy's name is the riddler uh so why don't we have him sending riddles and why don't we make this a puzzle uh and that's what they've done here i think um he knows as well matt reads that story is everything and 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 i think that's where he's made some some great calls there's no origins to this. This is a standalone. Batman's there. He's solving crimes. You don't need to know about his daddy issues. Everyone okay. who's ever seen a, bat, a Batman film knows his parents are dead. Mm. Uh, and so that all of that's gone already. It's and, and that what that does as well, I think, is very clever because you're not there thinking, oh, is this reboot going to be better than the last reboot? Because you're not even thinking about it as a reboot, you know? Um so he takes kind of film noir. I was I was fortunate enough to talk to John Turturro for this uh, a, a few weeks ago, and he was, you know, he was persuaded to come on board. Not usually his kind of bag, but he was persuaded to come on board because it was going back to the original comics and the film noir vibe that was in that. And I think that works really well. His horror roots are evident as well. I think his Cloverfield roots, uh, Matt Reeves, because there is a sense. Of, of horror and what this guy is capable of doing. He's played by Paul Dano, the Riddler, um, who is brilliant. I'm not going to talk too much about him because so much of his story emerges later in the film. But like from the very opening scene, you're in no doubt that A, he's crazy, but B, he's capable of great evil. You could call it a documentary maybe at the, for the times we live in, Sean. Um, and, and he, you know, the, his first victim, he has scrawled uh, no more lies across the face of the victim. So Batman's in his sights as well. Bruce Wayne's in his sights. Uh, Wayne doesn't really know why that is, but it seems to be that the Riddler is um, all about the growing 
levels of corruption right up um, through the system in Gotham, right up to the highest level. And those guys at the highest level are um, the Penguin or Oz, as he's known here, kind of before he became the Penguin, who's played by Colin Farrell. Um, I mean, the transformation, Colin's transformation is amazing. Like you would not know it was him, but I was a bit worried about all of that you know, makeup and, and, and prosthetics and stuff, whether he would be able to act and whether he'd be able to kind of do something with the character. But he's actually really, really good in it. Um, he's not in it a lot, uh, but there is a HBO series on the way. He's going to be doing a, a spin off where we get to learn more about the Penguin and his roots and his motivations. And I'm certainly up for that um, after seeing him in this. And then Totoro plays, um, again, one of the original characters, uh, Carmine uh, Falcone, who is a Gotham mobster. The two of them kind of bring a Goodfellas vibe to the proceedings, I suppose. They're very powerful. Uh, They may or may not have connections uh, that we don't expect them to have, but it becomes a big puzzle. And the storytelling is just really, really good. Um, What else can I tell you about? I don't want to tell you too much. Mm. uh, So, so. Zoe Kravitz is Selina Kyle and she kind of teams up um, with Batman because at this point it's kind of it's early Batman and, and he's a kind of vibe is vengeance. He likes to get revenge. So, you know, if, if a lot of it's on petty criminals or violent people in the streets of Gotham and she's up for that. And she has a, a reason revealed later in the film why she wants to take vengeance on somebody as well. Um, they so they go knocking on the door of some of Gotham's most corrupt people, but also with the Riddler doing the exact same thing and a, a seemingly a step ahead of them the whole time. Uh, on the Gotham Police Force, he has the well, he's mostly treated as an oddity. That's what I liked about this as well. They people do occasionally in the film go like, "Why are you dressed as a giant bat?" So that grounds it in reality as well. Yeah, I think I I think Totoro's car- character calls him Zorro at one stage, mm. and uh, I I enjoy you know because it's the obvious thing to do in good storytelling, you know. Uh, but yeah, his his police contact is uh, of course Lieutenant James Gordon, who's played by the very charismatic Jeffrey Wright in this. And uh, yeah, when evil takes hold, you are properly invested. I was a bit scared at times, I would say. Um, and I was absolutely invested on how these characters were going to come through. Uh, my only fault with it was, and it wasn't the running time um, per se, it's kind of, to be fair, so it's five minutes shy of three uh, hours. Yeah. It never feels like there's flab in there for the sake of it. Okay, to be fair. However, if you're going to give me that running time, then don't give me three endings. I think it was a bit uncertain about where it wanted to end this one. And I did feel even 10, 15 minutes trimmed off, it would have made it an even better movie. You know, right. uh, I think this is extraordinary. And I think it's all it's all the more spectacular given like this was one a really, really disrupted shot in London, by the way, mostly, even though it's very New Yorky period, New Yorky looking. Um, uh, it, it was shut down with COVID. They had no, virtually no shoot for almost six months. And the day after they resumed production, um, a character was diagnosed with COVID and they had to shut down again because that character was Batman. So you're, you okay. know, the movie is literally uh, called Batman. The Batman I think it should have kept going. That would have been brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Batman spluttering all over imagine. people. 
<laughs> yeah, so so you know, with with that amount of disruption to get it as clean and lean and and strong a film like this, it's some achievement I think from um from from Matt Reeves and yeah. uh, I can't okay. wait to see another one, which I'm sure there will inevitably be. Really uh, liked. Uh, Frank in Cork says, "Oh, good, another Batman movie. Crash, bang, wallop, and by the end, the bad guy gets defeated. Roll credits, crap." says Frank. Uh, Rory says, why does Catwoman always have to be sexualized in a way Batman isn't? I mean, I don't know. Catwoman is this gorgeous woman wearing a skin-tight leather outfit. I don't know what's sexualized about that, Rory. Where's your head at? My bats God. Why? It's, it's about cats are sexy and bats aren't. That's why. It's about the animal, not the person in the suit. I mean, Robert Pattinson had his top off for a good bit of this and I enjoyed that. There you go. There you go. But he wasn't dressed as Batman. That was just as Bruce Wayne. He was yeah. sexualized as Bruce Wayne. So billion, yeah. billionaires and cats are sexy. Yeah. Yeah. Everything else. Uh, Kieran's here to tell us about what's uh, coming up on his there show. There are what's... animals on the show. There's yeah. going to be a hen in studio. Apparently yeah. they make the perfect pet. I kid you not. That is yeah. coming up. <laughs> <laughs> well, you hope you clean up when you're finished. Yeah. That's all I have to say. The question of a hen sexiness is up for, up for grabs. Okay. I'm not sure. Uh, we will be talking about the RFU as well and this report that's on the women's game that's prompted this formal apology and the battle of the bedtimes when it comes to kids right <laughs> you need Batman for that one yes. right that's all coming up uh, after the four o'clock news uh, in the meantime we have to take a break uh, more uh, movies booze and Hollywood news to talk about after this movies and booze on Moncrief brought to you by Lidl's award winning wine range Lidl more for you enjoy alcohol sensibly visit drinkaware.ie there you go. No winners there. Right. Uh, who will play Madonna? There's going to be a, a Madonna biopic. Yes. And I who's think, going to play I think her? we talked about this, uh, or it was a couple of months ago now, when someone exited the project. It was Diablo Cody, I think, who did the... Uh, what is her name? Alanis Morissette. Yeah. That, anyway, she exited and we were talking about... Serena was here, we were talking about how heavily involved Madonna was. She's uh, co-writing and directing, very heavily involved. She basically said, look, she wants to own the story, obviously, because oh, she's, right, she's done she's stuff Madonna. with... Yeah. yeah, exactly, yeah. But she's also said, look, there have been men who've tried to write the story before and whatever, I don't want that, which is fair enough. There was a really good piece in The Hollywood Reporter this week that kind of outlined the process of casting Madonna. Uh, so Carmen Cuba is the casting director and she's been running the search for the last several months and they're kind of at the end of the list at the minute. So still in the running, we have Julia Garner, who people know, from Ozark or more recently Inventing Anna uh, Florence Pugh uh, Alexa Demi from Euphoria she plays Maddie Odessa Young who I'm not super familiar with she's in Mothering Sunday and then Emma Lard who's also a bit of a newcomer was in Mayor of Kingstown with Jeremy Renner again not something that I've watched a couple of other people that fell off the list would be Rexa, which I just think is hilarious that she was ever even considered uh, and Sky Ferreira um, but the actual process itself seems like my absolute worst nightmare like one source described it as gruelling but if you imagine it it's like some of them some of the days ended up being 11 hour days you'd have choreography sessions with Madonna's choreographer then you'd go into choreography sessions with Madonna herself and then if you got a call back it's like readings with Madonna singing auditions with her like the thought of spending that much time with her that intensely trying to play her I just, I don't know how, obviously I get that it's in the work, whatever, and that's why mm. I'm sitting here and I'm not an actor, but I'd love to go on the pints with Madonna, but that kind oh of... Oh God, I wouldn't. Would you not? No, no. she'd be I scary. Like, I think she'd be scary. I think she'd be scary in this scenario, but on the yeah. pints I feel like she'd kind of warm up, be better crack, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But they basically said, look, you have to do everything because Madonna kind of can do everything. Um, at the minute, the way the movie is and the way the script is, it kind of ends with her Blonde Ambition tour, which ended in 1990. This obviously may change, but like with that, they right, obviously have okay. to be 
able to sing and dance. So, so. it's younger Madonna we're talking about. Yes, yeah, yeah. 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 Not current Madonna, no. Yeah. There would be a difference. You know, that, like if you've, ever, if you've ever lived in England, you'll know that the English like never speak to each other uh, uh, for any reason whatsoever, unless mm. they've known each other for like 10 years or something. <laughs> right. But I, I remember once being in a cafe on a Sunday morning and somebody brought in a copy of Madonna's sex book, which right. had just been published. Yeah. Which was basically like a lot of porno, uh, porno pictures of Madonna. And it was like it was 200 quid or something. And everybody suddenly started talking to each other and standing <laughs> up and gooing at it. Madonna you know? brings people together, you know? She does, yeah. yeah. It, was a, it was an extraordinary thing, really. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I think it'll be very tough to find somebody who's... Madonna-ish yeah. enough, you know? I, and I think with her being so heavily involved, I understand why. I think that will present issues if we've seen with already people leaving the project. If I was to, if I was to put a punt on anyone now, I'd be leaning more towards Julia Garner. Yeah. Maybe Alexa Demi, because I think she has, if you know her character on Euphoria, that's almost Madonna-esque in terms of the bite and stuff. I don't really, Florence Pugh is very good. I don't know if I fully see it. But then again, I know we were talking off air about like, could Julia Garner go all the way with like kind of the sex appeal and that kind of thing? I don't know. There really is only one Madonna like. There is, yeah. But there was also something about her, like that book. There was something about like it was very controlled and very targeted. Yeah. And she, you knew she was using it. Yeah. uh, Rather than it's just like, oh, I'm a ditzy sex sex bomb kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, she was mm. very clever. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Very clever. Uh, so Jane says that uh, Julia Garner has butchered enough accents. Don't encourage her to take on Madonna too. <laughs> yeah, I've been putting off inventing Anna for that reason. That but, accent But apparently is... the accent is that's the way the woman, the oh, Anna talks. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I think it's it's pretty accurate, but I yeah. think it's just one of those things that's like no, uh, nails on a chalkboard for some people. So Yeah. Right, so uh, okay. let's t- tell us about the red wine we're drinking okay, today. Okay, before that, just if you like Italian food and wine, Little Italy down in North King Street on March 31st, they're having a food and wine day. Tickets are now on sale and you'll get details on my website, jeansmullen.com. So, uh, second is the, wine. Actually, is Little Italy an area in Dublin now? No, or no, it's, just no, a it's place? the name of a shop. But they've been, um, ah, right, I, but okay. they've been open since 1976. It's a family shed. Um, Bettina Rabbit is the name of the girl who owns it. Her dad and mum started the business uh, in 1976. So it's been going a long time. Oh, I had yeah. this vision of a part of Dublin that no, was utterly corrupt. They can no, never form no, a government. No, 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 no. mafia guys. Oh, so okay. much cheesy pasta. Oh, well, never mind. Mm, okay. you know. But they, All right, they have so. wonderful, they have amazing uh, meats and cheese, Italian meats and cheese and good Italian wine as well. Okay, excellent. Right, okay. anyway, sorry, continue. Right, this is Chianti and uh, this is the second wine from O'Brien's and this is going to be on sale in their wine sale which starts on Monday and runs to the 20th of March. It's the Il Volpetto uh, Chianti Reserva. Normally 1995. It'll be on offer at 1195 it's the 2018 vintage and uh, il volpetto means the fox and um this that's apparently it's a symbol of of tuscany now tuscany is the most amazing place it's the most beautiful place to visit and the the, the most well-known wine from the region is uh, Chianti. Now, there's so many. Chianti dominates Tuscan um, viticulture. There's seven sub-regions. The Classico is the heartland. Um, Most of it is made from a grape called Sangiovese, which is a, a red Italian native grape. Um, so it's it's I mean it like 
nothing says Italy like Chianti and I absolutely love um, Chianti. Now this is a modern Chianti and it's made by a winemaker called uh, Stefano Ciccoli and it's made from 100% Sangiovese. It's got, it's actually quite brown. It's showing a lot of age. It's 2018, so it's what, uh, five years, four years, five years old. But it's showing a lot of age um, when you look at it. But when you smell it, you get this lovely develop. There's a touch of leather going on there, you know, but it's very fresh and... um, when you taste it, you get that acidity that you're so associated mm. with Italian reds. Um, it's it's fresh. It's kind of zippy. It's got lovely sort of um, red cherry fruit. Um, it's a classic style. And at eleven ninety five, very, very affordable. It's the Reserva, which means it's 100%. That just simply means it's 100% Sangiovese. Lovely wine. And look out for it in the O'Brien sale. OK, lovely stuff. Right, we'll move on to our second movie of the day. It is You Are Not My Mother. Here's a clip. We're still trying to figure out what happened. When did you last hear from her? She left to bring her to school. Is everything okay? Has she gone missing before? Not in a long time. Ma'am? heard about your mom. Is she all right? Hey. It doesn't feel right. I think we should go away. Just the two of us. I think you should take it easy at the moment. Mom, where did you go? I can't tell you. <gasps> right. Uh, that's uh, You Are Not My Mother. Um... I, I get it now because I thought it was like some kind of whingy teenager going, you're not my mother. But it, it's actually somebody who turns out to be not their mother or appears not to be. But then again, <laughs> I haven't seen this film, so I don't know why I'm talking at all. <laughs> Esther, what's it about? It's great. Yeah, as the title suggests, it's is this a, it's, is, is, is this a body takeover situation? Is there a malevolent force or spirit after taking over the body of this woman? Um we obviously won't go into that, but it is played as, as a horror. It's set in Ireland, uh, probably Dublin. I don't know if it's ever specified. Um, and it's set in, yeah, if it's not scary enough, you like it. This one's set in the week leading up to Halloween. Great. Uh, and and it tells the story about a woman named Angela, who's played by Carolyn Bracken. And it's very clear from the off that she has mental health issues. Um, her, her daughter is, is played um, by Hazel Dupe and she, her name's Shar and she they also live with her grand, her grandmother. Um, so it's, it's as I say, from the off, you know that this woman is struggling. She's trying, to, uh, Hazel Dupe's character, Shar is trying to go to school one morning, misses the bus and her mum literally can't, struggles to get out of bed to drive her to um to school so it's never specified but it looks like she's really in the throes of um of a depression mm. so obviously uh we, we we learn as well pretty early on that she has disappeared before uh but so obviously when her car is found abandoned doors still open in the middle of um, a local sports pitch and there's no sign of angela the signs are pretty ominous even though the police say you know leave it a couple of days she's done this before she has previous um, but but Shar is really, really worried about her mum. The following evening, 
she turns back up at the house with absolutely no explanation explanation as to her whereabouts. I think they're just they don't ask too many questions. They're they're just relieved she's back. Uh, but it quickly becomes apparent, I think, to Shar and to her grandmother that something is really amiss. Um, first of all, Angela's character is like she's being quite cheerful, and and we as viewers know this is not the woman we met early in the film. Uh, she's kind of dancing and singing around to music in the kitchen, mm. and. She becomes increasingly, and that's quite clever, actually, because whatever the malevolent force is, obviously doesn't know that this woman has been struggling. So she thinks that the force thinks this is normal behavior, you know. Um, so it's very involved. And in, I know Kat Dolan, who's a, a newcomer and a big new voice in Irish filmmaking, she is steeped in horror in, in, in the supernatural. And I think there is... Um, some really interesting stuff at play here. If you're into folklore, um, and I know it's been done in modern horrors, like uh, It Follows, um, The Babadook, Jennifer Kent's great film, and, and The Witch, a lot of it would root itself in the folklore of the, you know, the place in the world it's been made. And this one is doing that here. Um, for example, there's a, a, a scene involving a horse. I didn't know about this, but there's a, a scene involving a horse um, a black horse, and and that's apparently known in folklore as the puka, uh, and it can oh, yeah. be a mysterious creature that can be a sign of impending doom. So all of that is brought into it. So you know, I think it makes it really unique and really Irish, even though the storytelling genre is universal. Um, so I think th- that's very interesting. And then it's also grounded in, as well as mental health issues, um, Shar is pretty badly bullied in school um she is there's a group for peers and it's pretty violent bullying now that she has to navigate as well i think i would have liked to have seen that brought into the story a bit more um and i suppose as it got a bit more supernatural in those elements i i was less interested in it having said that if you're a horror aficionado you are going to be absolutely rewarded here by all those reference points and all the, all that changeling stuff that goes on or may or may not go on it's very good this it's well made and uh doesn't overstay its welcome just over the hour and a half as well knows what it you know that that's what effective horror storytelling is i think and yeah it's a good one it's in cinemas from today right okay and right it's 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 yeah both uh, yeah both the films today are cinema releases you 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 may remember them uh from the past uh (laughs) all right what part of ireland is it set in I don't. I think it's. I think it looked like suburban Dublin to me. Maybe right. West Dublin. Um. Yeah. Very. You know. Very urban. Anyway. Uh, yeah. and, and very contemporary so yeah right okay uh, right so uh, a couple of bits more news uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge uh, uh, has a yet another she has so many feckin' deals now at this point anyway this. she's she's flat out but you know what I didn't actually realise she was tied to they were doing like Amazon were doing a series of, uh, adaption of Mr and Mrs Smith you know like mm. Angelina Brad it was going to be her and Donald Glover which I, I heard that casting not to be bad I was like this doesn't make any sense to me she's actually since exited that ah. Um which kind of makes sense now because she's signed on to do this new series for Amazon. We still kind of don't know what the the plot is or whatever coming the end of 2022. But as you mentioned, very busy otherwise. Um, pretty sure it's all but confirmed that she's the new Indiana Jones. Um, and there was another thing she has really? going on at the minute. Yeah. So the, the next movie that they're going to make, that's going to be her? Yes. Right. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, kind of makes sense though if you like I think it's easy to forget the success of Fleabag like she won six Emmys uh, a Golden Globe for Best Comedy Series she won Best Actress that year as well so I feel like anything she touches turns to gold, she, gold. Was the, she was on worked really closely on the latest uh, James Bond, James Bond as well, yeah so. absolutely no, but it and Killing be. Eve as well obviously yeah, yeah. Y- you'd wonder though that you know, Amazon just goes here's a here, we'll back up a truck full of money and you think of an idea <laughs> Uh, and she go, OK. And then she's there counting the money. And then after a while you go, I can't think of anything. Oh, <laughs> what am I going to do? That, you know, you could have... You know, I, mean, I, don't, I don't want that to happen to her. But, yeah. you know, you can imagine the pressure of that. Must yeah. be, it must be kind of hard. Yeah. Now, and, and this is an odd one. Jennifer Hudson is taking over from Ellen. So the Ellen show is finished. Or, or did they fire her? It is her? finishing, Is it because yeah. she's a horrible person? It was kind of in the wake of all that news about, you know, issues around staffing and how she treated staff or whatever. So Jennifer Hudson isn't necessarily taking over from Ellen, but she's taking that slot, essentially, uh, when that show ends at the, the end of the year. So it's going to be the Jennifer Hudson show. Um, I knew she'd been announced to have a show herself, but I think there was talk because obviously you've like Drew Barrymore as a show over there now as well, as well as Kelly Clarkson. And they kind of hit that same beat as Ellen does in a way, like, you know, musical, kind of funny, quirky, yeah. offbeat, whatever else. Um, so that's coming later in the year. She released, Jennifer Hudson released her own statement basically saying, I've seen the highest of highs and the lowest of lows and just about everything in between. But as my mother always told me, once you think you've seen it all, just keep on living. So that would be coming. Okay, well, as long as she didn't visit any cliches in that statement, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's the main thing. Uh, and has Jennifer Hudson, like, done anything else before this, as in, uh, in the chat kind of arena? Not, not that I'm familiar with. I'm very open to being corrected on that. But, I, like, I mean, she got her start on American Idol, so it's not, she's not, she A knows her way around TV. Yeah, yeah. but... I mean, I don't know. She's very charismatic. I'm, I'm kind of intrigued, but I thought it was a bit... A left-field choice when you had... It seemed like they were gearing up for Kelly Clarkson to take that slot. And yeah. It seemed like a natural fit, but maybe they just want that to continue to be its own thing. I don't know, so... Okay, that's a, a more mega television entertainment to look out for. <laughs> uh, thank you, uh, Esther, Jean and Fanula. And uh, that's our lot for today. Kieran's up next on News Talk. Our production team today, Marissa Sullivan, Michael Quilligan and JJ Clark. Have a lovely weekend. Movies and Booze on Moncrief. Brought to you by Lidl's award winning wine range. Lidl, more for you. Enjoy alcohol sensibly. Visit drinkaware.ie.